When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Daily Thrones is on the air, taking your calls and your thoughts on Game of Thrones. We've got a lot of interesting things in the pipeline for this week. Took some time off from broadcasting over the last day and a half, uh, dealing with uh, what was going on in the world and uh, just personal stuff going down. But I'm always up for talking Game of Thrones, and it's nice to climb into that Game of Thrones bubble and just enjoy what that is. So let's talk. What do you guys have on your mind? As always, you can favor the station so you don't miss a broadcast. Don't forget we have the Daily Podcast, though I did just release a big catch-up episode uh, as I was traveling over the weekend. But let's take uh, some calls from you guys out there right now and see what's on your mind with Game of Thrones. Hey, Ken. I have more of a book question for you, so I understand if you don't post this, but it relates to the TV show. I want to know if you think if it's possible for John and Danny not to meet up in the books, or at least not join together as they did in the TV show. Because I feel like there's a lot more obstacles in between the two in the books than there was in the show. Danny still has to unite the Kalazars and get Marine back together in a somewhat stable position in order to leave. And then she has to deal with Cersei, Aegon, and Euron. And Jon still needs to somehow come into a power um, through somehow become king of the north maybe through rob's will and i feel like danny won't be as willing to forget her path of like getting to the iron throne in the books as she was in the show i feel like she's going to ignore john's plea for help focus on defeating her enemies get the throne and then realize it was a big mistake as the army of the dead Billy with a book-related question about john and danny and the books compared to what might be going on on the show and could it end up differently well i think in short billy no i think that john and danny meeting john and danny potentially teaming up or whatever is going on in the show will happen in the books i just think it's much later as billy pointed out in his call there's a lot more obstacles between danny and the iron throne and just danny meeting john there's so many storylines the dornish plot fake gone all these different things going on uh euron victarin uh, you know, there's, there's the the stuff going on with Danny. In the books right now is is more uh, has a lot more road ahead of it. Is guess what I'm trying to say? Where Jon Snow, well, in the books, he's got a lot of things to do. He's got death. He's got to overcome death. So, uh, are there different things between uh, them on the show, the books? Yeah, absolutely. But I still think it ends up in the same spot. I think that's what happens. Um, the, the road to get there will be different. Now, do they fall for each other as they would on the show? Or would they be explained differently, handled differently on the, on, in the books? I think so. Uh, I When I say it's going to end up in the same spot, I kind of feel John and Danny might just team up in the books more than actually fall in love. Or maybe it ends up a little differently. Maybe on the show, John and Danny realize, oh, oops, we shouldn't be together. But maybe in the books, Danny and John are okay with it. And it would make 
sense. They're Targaryens after all. Hey, this is what we got going on. It's all good. Let's rule the kingdom together. But I will think that there is going to be the differences. The difference is just such a longer road ahead. We got a lot more things to figure out before Danny hits the shores of Westeros and Jon Snow comes back to life and meets her. Don't forget Stannis is still alive. Mance is still alive. Barristan Selmy is still alive. There's a lot more things going on, and we haven't even really identified the enemy in the show, or excuse me, in the books. The Night King, as we know on the show, is not there. So it's possible that that still has got to develop. So I think, Billy, there are some differences. There will be some differences, but at the end of the day, we're going to get to the same spot. I think that's one of the big things that George put out there and that the producers of the show have to take and have to follow. But great question. I love the book's questions. we got a long time to go to Season 8. So if you're just getting into the books, uh, you've been reading the books since 1996, and we're all eagerly awaiting when's the winner, let's start talking books. I uh, am and was in the process right when the Season 7 began of rereading Book 5. Uh, I was going to just take I'm about halfway through it, and then the show started, and I just... Uh, Lost track of uh, uh, the time to do it. It is Those books are hard to get through sometimes, as though I love them. I feel even though second time through, you still have to take notes. Uh, I, I like just studying the histories more than sometimes just reading the books. But I think it's important if you're a Game of Thrones fan, dive into those books. And there's a lot to learn, even though they are different. And the show and books should be treated separately. Uh, I do think the the book and knowing the book and knowing the little intricacies of the book do help explain things more in the show, do help um, just help the overall appreciation of the story, and sometimes leads to frustrations, of course, when things on the show uh, are different or leave out things in the books, but I highly re- recommend it, and if you're a listener here at Daily Thrones and you're a book reader, let's start taking more book questions. It'll force me to really do a little bit more research on the books that sometimes I overlook. I focus on the show more than the books, and let's do it. Let's have a Daily Thrones book club. Thanks for the call, Billy. Let's see what else is out there here on Daily Thrones. I asked a couple days ago about Arya's place in Season 8, what that might mean, what where she could factor into the story, what is left for her to accomplish, and you guys have some calls about that, so let's hear what's going on with Arya in Season 8. And Kevin Ross, so for Arya's place, it all gets down to Jamie going to Winterfell and explaining to everyone why he's there. Uh, that Cersei plans to betray everybody, she's not going to send any help, etc. Arya will get upset. She'll take the face of Baelish, and she'll go to assassinate uh, Cersei. Now, you know I've always said that Bernadette is a faceless person sent there by the Iron Bank to keep track of the Lannisters because they have so much money. Uh, outstanding. Well, now that there are new loans out and Cersei's on a warpath, uh, the Iron Bank's going to make sure that Bernadette is there to protect her, not to do anything wrong. So an uh Quote, unquote, now Littlefinger goes to uh, Cersei to report and to, quote, unquote, spy. Uh, that's when Bernadette will kill Arya. Thanks. Hey, Ken. Uh, just calling about the Arya speculation. Um, I've always had this weird personal theory that somehow Arya is going to end up with Jamie's face. Uh, Jamie's now ending or now going north. 
Uh, who knows if he's going to make it. And if he somehow does die and say Arya's near him or by him or involved or whatever, she gets her hands on Jamie's face. And if news doesn't make it to King's Landing about Jamie's death, uh, Arya goes down there with Jamie's face, uh, apologizes to Cersei, gets intimate with her, and Jamie kills Cersei, but is not actually Jamie, it's Arya. Um, it's, I know they've kind of used that trope before with her revealing herself after a big death with the fray, obviously, or uh, with Walder's death, but uh, I've always thought it was a kind of weird, crazy personal theory that she kills Cersei as Jamie. Uh, what are your thoughts? All right, some competing calls about Arya with uh, Kevin and Jeff calling in, but both have similar threads of Arya using another face and going down and crossing Cersei's name off her list, which begs the question of what would be more satisfying, to have Arya kill Cersei or to have Jamie kill Cersei? That might be the next question we need to talk about. I do like the idea of Arya both continue on with her list which is uh, something that we don't really see her doing in season seven but i also like the idea uh this idea of her going down because it incorporates her faceless men training all the house of black and white stuff uh she's definitely picked up some skills we saw that on display this past season but to see them on display uh, to that level would be fulfilling uh if, if that actually is the case. I personally am pulling off the idea of Arya needing to kill Cersei. I don't think that's as important. Um, I think that it uh, still should fall on Jamie's shoulders. And I do, Kevin's always going back to this idea of Bernadette being something more than she is. The way they focused on her last season, I would have believed it, but I think at the end of the day, it just might be that Bernadette is Bernadette, but we'll see we'd ever we'd ever know but again the bigger question is if Cersei's gonna go Cersei's gonna be killed would it be more satisfying to have Jamie do it Arya or maybe even the Hound this prophecy of the Valonqar could lead to a lot of different suspects but which one would be the one that you want that might be the bigger question hey Ken just something crossed my mind um I was listening to the station again and all of everyone's thoughts on Sam becoming the author or, or being revealed as the author or narrator of Game of Thrones at the end of the, the TV series or the books. And I stated yesterday, I'm not really huge on the idea, but it wouldn't really bother me if it did happen. So I think now it would bother me because this just crossed my mind. Game of Thrones has conditioned us to believe that history is solely written by the victors and that said history is usually askew to suit whatever narrative the victors would like it to suit. If we find out at the end of this story that the entire thing has just been a story being told to us by Samuel or a history that's being written by him, are we then to question every single thing we've ever learned about the world of Ice and Fire because it's only coming from one source? Um, just my thoughts. I'd love to know your opinion on this, Ken. So thanks for taking the call and have a great day. Hey, Ken. Just a couple of thoughts on Arya's place in Season 8 and my hopes for that. I really hope that she stays... Uh, with Sansa by her side as her protector. I was really unsatisfied with the quarrel that they had being stirred on by Baelish throughout the seventh season. And then that turned with that dramatic twist and it became a very satisfying storyline when they actually had been revealed to have been playing Baelish to some extent. And, um, you know, that was a very brutally political way to take somebody out. And I'd like to see them continue their reign, I guess you could call it. Um, 
I don't know. I think that they're efficient and effective. And I just don't want to see the She-Wolves of Winterfell separated again. So those are my thoughts. Thanks for taking the call and have a great night. Back-to-back good calls from Sir Thomas the Tall. First, the talk of Arya in Season 8. And I like this take here that Sansa and Arya, after an initially unsatisfying storyline and was uh, not well-received, flip it around. They flip it around on Baelish. They take Baelish out. Now, even that wasn't well-received. But let's just look at it in-story. As he said, the She-Wolves of Winterfell forming a good tag team right now. And Arya, right now, I think she feels more loyal to family than the idea of taking out Cersei. So, again, it uh, goes to the original thought of, do we want to see Arya doing that? Do we want to see her still pursuing the names on her list? Or she passed that as she moved on and is more about family and the, the, the wolf pack staying together. Uh, I would be happy with that. And, again, I still think Cersei's fate is intertwined more with Jamie and actually Jamie, though a lot of people are on board with this idea of Arya crossing the name off that list. Now, uh, Thomas also has a good counter to the talk of Samwell. That's something we were talking about on Day of Thrones recently. Samwell being sort of the author of it all. We know Samwell Tarly is supposed to be George R. R. Martin. Essentially, that's George's uh, writing himself into the story. Uh, so could the series end with Samwell being the author or the storyteller of everything going on? We saw this in Season 7 with Maester Ebros. And uh, all of us, I think, are lukewarm. We're open to the idea, but lukewarm to it overall. That maybe it might be too cheesy of an ending, too inside meta of an ending to the entire series. Um, but Sir Thomas had even a more good counter to that idea, saying that history is, is written by the victors. Much in life and much in the world of ice and fire. So Samwell writing all of it, uh, if he has access to all the stories, would be the number one question. But could we trust his point of view? Because he'd be writing from the point of view of a victor. And it doesn't necessarily mean the victory over the Night King. It could mean the victory over Cersei. In some worlds, Cersei might be the good guy. Just like some people might consider Tywin the good guy. Or the Mad King the good guy. Uh, if you jump over to Star Wars, some people might think the Emperor's okay because he's making those trains run on time, right? So perhaps uh, there'd be another point of view to the uh, conquest of Danny, uh, John coming down, uh, Ned Stark trying to take the throne. I mean, we see points of view on Robert Baratheon early on. He is the conqueror, the one who ended the Targaryen di- dynasty, and he's also the usurper. So uh, points of view are very important, and Sam very much has a point of view. So, as Thomas says, could he be an unreliable narrator? We'll see if that happens. We'll see if the story ends that way. It might just be a little button more than a big factor, but it's an interesting thing to think about. Sam's point of view could make his story not the one we want to read. I'm Ken Absuck, and this is Daily Thrones, a quick look at the world of ice and fire and fun news. We need fun news right now in the world, so let's take a moment to enjoy this fun news. Variety's covering this one. I want to thank Eric Monroe tweeting this to me uh, on Twitter at Ken Absuck. Use hashtag Daily Thrones. 
We have a Game of Thrones multiplayer mobile strategy game coming out. It is Game of Thrones Conquest. You guys may have heard about this. I was not aware of this, but we've been talking about a Game of Thrones game, a video game for a while here on Daily Thrones, pitching ideas. And this is kind of what we're talking about. It's released, uh, slated to be released on October 19th on Apple's App Store and Google Play, developed by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment's Turbine Studio, licensed by HBO. It's official, and it looks like this is simple, what we need. You're the head of a new house, vying to take the Iron Throne. Players forge alliances and raise armies to crush enemies. Fourth, was fourth. This is a this is an Age of Empires command and conquer real-time strategy type of approach to this. This is what we've been waiting for. I'm excited for this distraction, and it's going to be a distraction. I got Star Wars Battlefront 2 coming out in November. I got this coming out in October. I might as well quit my job, stay at home, and just uh, play games all day. Um, you get to pre-register for the game at the official site, gotconquest.com, and you will receive a Prepare for War bundle the first week of launch. Now, it uh, carries a $50 value, which means there's probably in-game purchases. You know what? I spent a lot of money on the Simpsons tapped out game. Uh, Star Wars, uh, uh, there's the Star Wars, what is the Commander? Star, I, I did that one. I, I get it. It's kind of sometimes disappointing when you got to pay money, but you know what? Life, sometimes we need these fun distractions. I'm excited about this game. Uh, like I said, slated for October 19th. So, what that means is we're going to have, while we're waiting for season eight, we're going to have some fun. Playing our own Game of Thrones. Hey, maybe we here at Daily Thrones, we can fight each other. We'll see how it works out. There's a trailer for it. I have not had a chance to watch it. I'm here at work. I'm going to watch it now. What do you guys think about fighting for the crown here on Game of Thrones Conquest? Let me know. Call in, and let's talk about it here on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken. So thinking about next season, the final season, and thinking about John and you know how he's going to react when he finds out the news that he's Aegon Targaryen, do you think... He's going to be mad at Ned for not telling him the truth. Do you think he's going to understand why Ned didn't tell him? Do you think maybe he'll say, I think, you know, Ned would have probably told me eventually? Because, you know, the last time they spoke, you know, Ned promised him that they would talk about John's mother. But so I don't think he's going to have a lot of resentment towards Ned. I think he's going to be more mad and angry at the fact that he's not Ned's true son but curious what you think hey ken one scene that i really can't wait to see in season eight is the meetup and conversation between Jon snow and jamie lannister now in the books the two have never really interacted but in season one we got that great scene where jamie was kind of being smart and making fun of Jon Snow before he went to the Night's Walk, thanking him for his service, talking about snarks and grumpkins, all these stories about the White Walkers that no one believed to be true. But now Jamie has seen a zombie, he's seen the army of the dead and what is happening, and now he's chosen to go fight for it. So I can't wait to see these two characters meet up now that they've grown so much and changed and see how they interact with each other again, because they're two of my favorite characters. And I just wanted to know what is your most anticipated scene for season eight. A couple regulars with some great calls here that I want to address. But first, do you want to be a regular caller? That's right, you do. If you listen to Daily Thrones here on Anchor or in the podcast form and you want to kind of dive in and let your voice be heard, give us a call. Put it at the station. It goes into a nice little queue for me, and I could choose when to put the calls up. Sometimes your calls might go up a couple days later, how it fits into my programming or what I want to talk about. But I love having these regular voices. We are here until season A. Call in, especially if you are new. I love new callers. But Billy... 
and John, uh, Billy and Eric have calls both relating to John Snow. Now, Billy has more of a, a specific question at the end of his call about my most anticipated scene in season eight. I'm going to answer that a little bit later in a different segment. But as far as there's some good questions about John Snow and looking at him in season eight. And this could be John Snow versus Ned Stark from a certain point of view. Hear, uh, hear me out here, Eric. Out. We are, we know that Jon Snow at some point is going to find out he is, he is Aegon Targaryen, the six slash seven slash whatever. And he's going to be upset. I think he's going to have trouble with it. I think he's not going to be 100% sure with who he is and where he now fits in and the weight of what this means and what it means to his past. And part of that is Ned Stark. He is Ned's son in so many ways and will remain so. That speech to Theon in the uh, season seven, you can be a great Joanna Stark. Uh, Ned, uh, uh, John's going to have to listen to his own advice. I don't know if he can, though, at times. He has a little bit of a hothead, stubborn streak. We saw that during the Battle of the Bastards. He can fall for things. He can run headlong into things. And maybe he might run headlong into some anger towards Ned Stark. Without a doubt, in season one, episode two, the King's Road. Uh, great moment. And if you go back and watch it, if you haven't watched it in a while, go back and watch season one, episode two, when Ned and John say goodbye. Ned clearly says, and Sean Bean plays it so cool, and I do believe the uh, the note or the urban legend now is that the creators of the show told Ned, uh, J- Sean Bean what was going on, and he had to play that. He played that, hiding it from Jon Snow. I think he wanted to tell him, but Ned had honor, and a loyalty to his sister. But I think the big picture, the big picture isn't just loyalty to Lyanna Stark. Promise me, Ned. Promise me, Ned. It is he wanted to protect John from Robert Baratheon and so many other people in the realm. And I think if John hears this information, he's going to go back to that moment when Ned said, "Ah, the next time we're together, I'll tell you about your mother. And that moment never came. John, John could be angry about that. He could have a lot of pent-up frustration and anger at that moment, and it could be a John versus the memory of Ned. It could be a little bit, I go to Luke Skywalker getting mad at Obi-Wan. Why didn't you tell me Vader was my father? But there was reasons Obi-Wan and Yoda didn't tell uh, Luke right away, and there's a reason Ned told that, and I think John could calm down. This is a more mature Jon Snow these days. He, in season two or three, finds this out. He's angry. He probably leaves the Night's Watch, runs off, storms, and tries to fight the ghost of Ned Stark. And if his father were alive, if he had found it earlier on, if, if Aemon Targaryen told him at the wall, Welcome, John. by the way, we're related, he would have bolted out, ran past Molestown, past Winterfell, all the way down to King's Landing to confront Ned. I don't think he does that now. I think he'd come to a place of peace, but he'd be tremendously disappointed. But maybe he would understand that Ned was doing something out of honor and a greater purpose and taking a risk and, and, and taking slings and arrows, really. An adulterer, whisper, Ned wasn't loyal. All those whispers behind his back to the great Ned Stark, that could be a problem. The second part of this, Billy talks about Jamie Lannister and Jon Snow. That interaction is an anticipated scene because Jamie wasn't nice to him back in episode one. I believe it was the pilot, yeah, at the, at the Winterfell feast. Ooh, you're going to go join the Night's Watch, Jon Snow. But I think Jon now, when they face off, Jon has the maturity now to forgive and forget and to move past if Jamie is contrite. That's a big question. Can Jamie humble himself? Has he been humbled? Is he just angry at Cersei, but he's still Jamie Lannister? Uh, the, the, the greatest swordsman in the land in his heart? I think. Jamie's changed. 
and John has changed. What do you guys think? How is John going to accept this and, and come to terms with it in terms of Ned Stark and what happens when he and Jamie meet? And I'll have my most anticipated scene in season eight soon here on Daily Thrones. There are a lot of great scenes and moments for us to anticipate in Season 8 of Game of Thrones. I think it's going to fuel our fire as we wait for Season 8 to show up a long way away, I know. But I think we have these moments to look forward to, these situations we can dream up in our minds. Some I think we are going to get, some we might not get. Uh, Billy's suggestion of Jamie Lannister meeting Jon Snow for the first time, really going back to Episode 1 where he was very, very dismissive of Jon Snow running off to join the quote, Honorable Night's Watch. Um, I, I talked about uh, John's maturity fueling uh, the change, uh, and Jamie's change, I should say, fueling that that scene being different than what we would have anticipated all the way back in season one. But what is my most anticipated scene in season eight? There's a lot of things to choose from. Some of the big giant moments, you could look at maybe Cersei's death or Danny, if, if if I believe in my heart, Danny's going to die, maybe sacrifice herself, which we can always talk about. And we will be talking about until season eight begins. That would be a, a moment, a bittersweet, not something I'm overjoyed to see, but I would anticipate seeing that moment. But I'll tell you the one that I know that I think I put good money that we're going to get, but it's going to have a lot of emotional punch to it. And that is Arya reuniting with Jon. Arya, we've seen her. She's such a hard character now, right? She ended up being loyal to Sansa, and she probably always was. It was part of the work to get rid of Baelish. But as she was roaming the, the, uh, the, the north there, heading back down south, she thought in her mind to kill Cersei. She was a hardened character. She's been a hardened character. But when Hot Pie mentioned that, no, Jon Snow is back in place at Winterfell, uh, you saw her face soften. It's one of her last things. That's why she carries needle is a connection specifically to Jon Snow. And when Jon and Sansa reunited, that brought tears to my eyes. And I know it brought a lot of tears to your eyes out there. And that's interesting because until that moment, Jon and Sansa, Sophie Turner, Kit Harrington, they hadn't appeared on screen together. Go back to the pilot. They really hadn't. They weren't there. John was gone. He's the bastard. When the king arrives, they don't really want him around. He's sulking about. Yet that scene, their reunion in season six, was deep. It was important. It was powerful. Imagine what it's going to be like when Arya and Jon Snow reunite. There's big epic moments in Game of Thrones. Big violence. There's salacious sex. There's all these things. There's dragons. This is why we love Game of Thrones. But there is a truth to a lot of what Game of Thrones puts out there. An emotional truth that we can connect with as people over here in the normal world. We're not wizards as far as we know. We're not riding dragons as far as we know yet. Um, but it is those realities. Which is why a lot of people love the politics of Game of Thrones. It's a little more real, right? Arya and Jon Snow is going to pull on all the strings. And of all the big things we could see in Season 8, that is a small moment I'm highly anticipating. 
You guys let me know what is your scenes and moments that you want to see in Season 8. Call in here on Anchor. You can find me on Twitter at CatNapsUck. Use the hashtag Daily Thrones. Don't forget, we have the daily podcast available on Google Play and Apple Podcasts. Just get back in the swing of it. Things following a, a vacation this weekend, so some of the shows are being grouped together like this one here today and the ones over the weekends. But pretty much daily show. Listen and subscribe and rate and review if you're on iTunes. That helps us out as well. Favor the station so you don't miss a broadcast. You guys all know the drill, I'm sure. We'll see you tomorrow here on Daily Thrones.